the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A counterfeit believer is never a true believer unless, of course, God redeems them, as we'll see today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. It is impossible for someone who's been saved by Jesus Christ to lose their salvation. Although believers can stray away from the gospel and its holiness for a season, the true believer is miserable in that condition until they find God again. Hi there. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose. We're in chapter 5 of Galatians, looking at verses 1 through 12 today. Now, you may say, God will never forgive me since I've strayed away, but Pastor Gary is here to tell you as we begin our time together today, he will. Although it is absolutely impossible for someone whom God has saved from sin and regenerated and transformed by his grace to ever lose their salvation and die condemned, two things are possible. One, true believers in Jesus can be seduced away from the gospel of grace and the life of holiness for a time, and live in a black, backslidden condition. Of course, this is not normal for the Christian, but it does happen, and when it does, the true believer is miserable until he or she returns to a life of freedom in Christ, which they will do before they die. Second, a person can sincerely think he is a Christian and not be a Christian, and die lost in his sins, thinking that when he dies, he will go to heaven, and of course, he will not. For this reason, the Bible warns us in a variety of ways to examine ourselves to see we, if we are of the faith, to make sure, some have said, that we are possessors of Christ and not just professors of him. And as Paul said to the Corinthians, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Now, because this is true, we saw in the conclusion of last week's sermon, Paul, in verses 5 and 6, give us a descriptive sketch of what a true believer enjoying a life of freedom in Christ looks like, so we won't be deceived about ourselves. If you are a true Christian not deceived about your true standing before God, then the description set forth in verses 5 and 6 will be true of you. So after I spend a few minutes looking again at the life and the character of a true believer and set forth in these, so set forth in these verses, then we're going to consider some of the reasons people backslide, some of the reasons for the temporary failures that believers experience that are set forth in verses 7 through 9. 
And then after we look at those verses, we will finally consider why it is so easy for some people to be seduced and fall away by the ramblings of false teachers, which is explained in verses 10 through 12. So let's go back to verses 5 and 6, because when I concluded last week's sermon, I just was able to briefly discuss them. Notice what it says about true Christians. And these comments are only, about, are only true of true Christians. Someone who thinks he is a Christian but is not, these things are not ever true of him. It says, first of all, as I pointed out last week, that we through the Spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, only faith working through love. Notice the first thing, the phrase, through the Spirit. Everything we are as Christians, we are because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit made Christians out of us. We are born of the Spirit. We are indwelt with the Spirit. We are being sanctified by the Spirit. And now as Christians, we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And we live every day depending upon the supernatural resources, guidance, strength, and assistance that the Holy Spirit gives us, which strength enables us to resist sin, that is, to keep us from sinning so much, and to walk consistently according to the Spirit's rule, that is, the rule of God, and to manifest the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, Love, joy, peace, patience, etc. In other words, a Christian exhibits general Christ-likeness throughout his life. Now, this is only true of Christians. A non-Christian cannot resist sin. He cannot walk consistently according to the Spirit's will, and he cannot manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Because the only person inside of him is himself. But a Christian lives every day through the Spirit who indwells him. Notice the second thing. It says, for we through the Spirit by faith. Putting your faith in Christ is not something you do once at the beginning of the Christian life and then you forget about it for the rest of the time. What you did when you became a Christian, in resting upon Christ alone for salvation, you do every day, every moment, the rest of your life. You depend upon Him and you look to Him to bring all of the blessings, all of the powers of salvation into your life, none of which any of us deserve. To live by faith means to walk by faith and not by sight. To walk by faith in the word of God is trusting in whatever the Bible promises us, obeying whatever the Bible commands us to do, trembling whenever the Bible warns us, threatens us for our misbehavior, learning principles of life from the doctrines and the history of the Bible, entrusting ourselves every day in other words, committing ourselves to the one who has given us this 
revelation, the one who has made these promises to the Savior himself. Every day of the true believer's life, he is a believer. A counterfeit believer is never a true believer any moment of his or her life, unless, of course, Christ redeems them. He never believes, but once God gives you the gift of faith, he sustains that faith through the Spirit, so you are constantly looking beyond your own strength and your own wisdom to Christ to provide you what you cannot produce, but which he can, according to his word and the power of his spirit. You cannot separate faith in Christ from the faith in his word. In fact, sometimes the Bible says, believe in Jesus to be saved. And other times it says, believe Jesus to be saved. So that believing in Jesus, putting your faith in Jesus, and believing what Jesus says are inseparable. So that if we are believers, that believing means every moment of our lives, we are going to look to the word of Christ for sustenance and direction. We are going to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge him. And then we will be confident that he will direct our paths. So a true believer is someone who depends upon the supernatural resources of the Holy Spirit in his struggle against sin, to resist it, to keep from sinning so much, to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And he lives every day in faith, in Christ, believing Christ's word and obeying it and applying it to his life. Then notice the third thing our text says about the true Christian In verse 5, it says, we are waiting for the hope of righteousness. We are hope waiting for the hope of righteousness. Now, don't misunderstand the word waiting. It does not imply that we sit back and twiddle our thumbs and just wait for Christ to act. Beloved, there is no passivity in the Christian life. The Christian life is one of aggressive exertion of spiritual, moral, and physical energy. But the point here is that a Christian is waiting in faith, persevering. You cannot separate the word wait in Hebrew from faith, expectancy, hope, anticipation, and in the meanwhile, perseverance in well-doing. To wait for something means you don't have it yet. To wait for the hope of righteousness means you are hoping for something that is not yet yours in your own experience. So here it says that a Christian is waiting for the hope of righteousness or waiting for the hoped for righteousness. Now notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say that a believer is working toward a hoped for righteousness or working for a hoped for righteousness. You see, that was the point of the Judaizers that they were trying to make in Paul's day. That is why he wrote the book of Galatians, because he said these legalists were saying, if you want to secure a place in heaven, then you must not only put your faith in Christ, 
but you must work out all kinds of good acts and have good thoughts and get enough points to earn a place there. So for them, all of the Christian life is doing things and working hard to make enough points to earn for yourself a place in heaven. And Paul said, if that is the course you want to take, then you have to obey the whole law. It's not just a matter of obeying a few things. You've got to obey everything perfectly and the slightest infraction between conception and death makes it all fall to the ground. For cursed is everyone who does not live by everything in the law of God. But the point Paul is making here is that the Christian doesn't work at this never-ending point of making process, progress, full of uncertainty and frustration. That is not the way the Christian lives. The Christian knows that his salvation is settled, that it is accomplished, that all of the work needed to be done to accomplish his eternal salvation has been accomplished once and for all, in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now in faith and perseverance, he waits for the completion of what Christ accomplished. That is the completion of the whole process of salvation at the end of the world. So he waits, not passively, but he waits in faith, knowing that the accomplishment of the salvation is not in himself, but it has been settled, it has been done, it is finished, and it is irreversible. Christ died for sinners, and he took upon himself the condemnation we deserved. He turned away God's wrath, satisfied God's justice, so that we for whom he died might obtain eternal redemption when he died, and be reconciled to God. So now, he waits for a hope for righteousness and faith, knowing that what God has started in his life, he is going to bring to perfection. He is going to bring it to an end. But you might ask the question, I thought we got righteousness credited to us when we first believed. Well, what is this hope for righteousness off in the future? Why does he say a Christian has to wait for righteousness? After all, I thought the book of Galatians was written to tell us we already had it in justification by faith in Christ alone. Why does Paul speak of a hope for righteousness yet to be possessed when the whole point of the book of Galatians is the righteousness of Christ being credited to your account the moment you receive him as your Savior, and all debts that you had with God have been liquidated because Jesus paid it all. So what is this hoped for righteousness? Well, it is true that the moment you repented of your sins and you put your faith in Christ Jesus alone for salvation, that moment the judge of heaven and earth declared you forgiven, not guilty, He accepted you into his family as his child on the basis of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us when he died in our place on the cross 
and earned salvation for everyone for whom he died. So you had credited to your account when you had nothing but a big fat zero in your account, the righteousness of Christ, his holiness, his purity, his merits, so that when you stand before God and he says, why should I allow you into my heaven? You say, not because of anything in me, but because of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ that was credited to my account the moment I believed in Jesus. All right, the victory, the verdict has been passed. You don't have to spend the rest of your life wondering what the verdict is going to be on the last day. That verdict has been passed. The judge of heaven and earth has justified you by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, then again, what is this hope for righteousness? Well, the Bible teaches that someday when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to the earth historically and physically and gloriously as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, which is on Judgment Day, everyone who has ever lived will stand before God. God will raise everyone who has ever lived, including all those who are alive at that time, and there on Judgment Day will be billions upon billions of people who have lived throughout the history of mankind, and everyone will have to stand before Him. And on that day, the same judge who rendered concerning you the verdict of not guilty, the moment you believed, will that moment declare that verdict to a gathered universe. You know a lot of people don't believe that about you and I. You go out here into the world and tell people you are justified by God, that you have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe, that you are confident that there is even a creator of the universe, and you are in contact with him, and he has forgiven your sins, they will just think you are some kind of naughty religious fanatic, just making things up as you go along. There are people out there who just think we're fools and don't believe these things about you and me. Oh, they may say, well, if it works for you, just do it. I don't believe it, so I'm going to do what works for me. They believe there is just as much truth and just as much error in what they believe as what you believe. Well, there is coming a day when the doubters will see, when all of the critics, all those who have ridiculed, all those who have persecuted, all those who have challenged the truth or our Christian experience and our faith, who will someday be standing before the judge of the universe and he will look them right in the eye and he will say, you know so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so that claim to know me personally and be my children forgiven by me and you laughed at them? Well, everything they said was true about themselves. And the judge of heaven and earth, 
will publicly declare to a gathered universe on that day what he has already assured you of in your heart that was true of you the moment you believed in Jesus. And that is that he has really and truly rendered a verdict of not guilty concerning you and really and truly has forgiven you of your sins and really and truly has made you his child and brought you into fellowship with himself. My friends, that is not a figment of your imagination. It is not wishful thinking. It is true. And someday he will gather everyone around his throne and he will publicly declare that to be true about you and me. So what is a Christian? A Christian is someone who waits in faith for the hope for righteousness, for that public declaration before the universe of what God said is true of us and that is in fact true. And we look forward to it in hope. Hope means certainty. It means confident assurance. It is not some negative thing. A Christian is someone who lives in the certainty that what God has begun in his life, he will bring to fruition, to perfection. A Christian has hope. He has confident assurance, certainty that what God has begun in him, God will finish. And what God has begun in him, God will perfect on the day of Christ Jesus' return. So he looks forward an anticipation toward that day. He knows that day is coming. He knows that the struggles that he has to deal with in this life now, with sin, with being consistent in living a, a life of holiness, someday those struggles are going to be over. And he longs for that day. He knows that day is coming. And he can hardly wait for it to come. And notice what his hope is. His hope is not to be raptured out of this world. His hope is for a spiritual life to be perfected. That when he goes to heaven, he knows not only will he not sin again, but he knows he will never want to sin again. He knows he will never be able to sin again. He will have neither the freedom nor the ability ever to choose to sin again. And he longs for that day. And he is certain that day will come. Notice the next thing the text says about the true Christian. It says in verse 6, For in Christ Jesus. That phrase, in Christ Jesus, is not just the key phrase for understanding the Apostle Paul's theology and doctrine and ethics, but being in Christ Jesus is the key to understanding your life and your experience in this world every day of your life here because every day and every moment of every day in everything you do, you as a believer are in Christ and you can never be separated from Him. The fish is in the water, surrounded by water. A bird is in the air, surrounded by that air. And you as Christians are in Christ, surrounded by his love and his power. 
That is, you are so close to Jesus Christ that everything Jesus is, he is for you. That you are in such a close relationship with him every day of your life that whatever he promises is certainly going to come true in your life. And you are so close to him that everything that belongs to him in the universe belongs to you. Live like that every day, beloved. Every day of your life, live in Christ. You are so close to him that everything he has and everything he promises is yours. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 Eight six six five six zero seven. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.